Tonight's special report. Smart Bomb's dumb mistake, USAF's Baghdad blunder. Dresden disaster allies firestorm fiasco. And Black Sabbath, the sound of Satan's spawn. Plus coming up, a special report on the mysterious disappearance of the letter E from the English language. Those are the headlines. This is the news. And I'm Martin Bang, your guide through the madness. News Bang, unveiling the naked truth, even if it's ugly. Uh, 1991. The Gulf War, a conflict so hot it could melt an ice cream at 20 paces. 1991, the year that will live in infamy, or at least until next week when we've all moved on to something else. In a tragic mix-up, the United States Air Force thought they were bombing Saddam Hussein's secret quilting bee and instead hit an air raid shelter in Baghdad, killing 408 civilians. Eyewitnesses described utter carnage as sewing machines flew through the air like deadly missiles and unfinished Afghans engulfed the sky like snowflakes of death. The USAF issued a statement saying, We deeply regret this error. Our laser-guided bombs were supposed to target his collection of cross-stitch samplers. Iraqi President Saddam Hussein was unavailable for comment, but is believed to have been fuming with rage. Literally because he was also working on a gas oven upholstery project at the time. The Amiria shelter bombing, as it became known, goes down in history as one of war's most devastating crafting disasters. 1945. 1945, and the Allies decided to give Dresden a makeover it would never forget. In an act of strategic vandalism, they unleashed their secret weapon, thousands of tons of bombs. The resulting firestorm was so intense even Bikram yogis gave up and went home. The city, known for its iconic landmarks such as the Big Church and That Sausage Shop, was left in ruins. Thousands perished in the inferno or were trampled to death by fleeing pigeons. Eyewitness Hans Gruber said, it was like the end of the world. The sky was on fire and all those old buildings. Gone. Meanwhile, back at Allied HQ, General Patton on the back congratulated his men. We have taught those krauts a lesson. No more building cities where we can see them. He chuckled maniacally. The Germans vowed revenge but realized they couldn't afford it due to rationing, and so ended another chapter in the annals, diaries of war history. 1970. On this day in 1974, men emerged from the depths of Birmingham to unleash a sound so terrifying it would shake the very foundations of music itself. Meet Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler and Bill Ward, or as they're better known, Satan's House Band. Their self-titled debut album is considered the first true heavy metal record, with tracks like Iron Man, War Pigs, and paranoid, they set about creating a new genre that would scare parents everywhere. Heavy metal was born, a heady mix of distorted guitars, ear-splitting volume, and more leather than an S&M convention. The world would never be the same again. Their live shows were legendary too. Tales abound of Aussie biting heads off doves, Geezer sacrificing goats on stage, which he denies, and Bill being woken up just before his drum solo by an ACDC roadie named Phil Collins, who went on to have his own career failure. Sorry success. 
Black Sabbath defined an era with their first three albums before going through more lineup changes than Spinal Tap. But their influence lives on in every teenager, cranking up their amps to 11 and irritating neighbors for miles around. News Bang, the only news source that tells it like it is, even if it's ugly. And now, here's Shakanaka Giles with the weather report. Tomorrow in the southeast, expect a frosty start like a stiff upper lip on a butler's face. Temperatures will rise to a balmy 5 degrees, akin to a tepid cup of tea. Moving on to the Midlands, where it'll be a bit like a damp dishcloth with drizzle and fog. The temperature will hover around 4 degrees, as chilly as a polar bear's bum cheeks. In the north, brace yourselves for a blustery day, with winds as fierce as a dragon's breath. Temperatures will struggle to reach 3 degrees, colder than a witch's tit. Scotland will be shrouded in mist, like a mysterious highland loch. Temperatures will be a brisk 2 degrees, as icy as a snowman's heart. And finally, in Wales, it'll be a wet and wild day, like a Welsh rugby match. Temperatures will be a mild 6 degrees, warmer than a bit of sheepdog's coat. In summary, a frosty start, a damp dishcloth, a dragon's breath, a mysterious lock, and a Welsh rugby match. Bundle up and stay warm. And that's all the weather. Uh. 1991. In a tragic turn of events, the year 1991 bore witness to an air raid shelter bombing in Baghdad during the Gulf War. The United States Air Force, a key player in the conflict, found itself at the center of controversy when it emerged that two laser-guided bombs had claimed the lives of 408 civilians. The incident occurred in Baghdad, a city steeped in history and cultural significance, adding another layer of complexity to an already volatile situation. Now to shed more light on this unfolding story is our reporter Brian Bastable. Amid the storm of lead I find myself in Baghdad. A raging torrent of molten iron tears through the heart of this city. This is a place that could only be described as something from the darkest bowels of hell. As I stand here amidst the smouldering ruins, my ears are met with an eerie silence, punctuated by occasional bursts from our tank cannons. It's now time to delve into this tragic event. 408 souls extinguished like candles in a gale-force wind. The smell here? That's not gunpowder you smell. It's humanity being erased from existence. In this wasteland, we see the remnants of what once was a shelter for those seeking refuge during times such as these. Until today, when death itself came knocking at their doorstep instead. I turn to face you. Oh wait, no audience here and ask. Who is responsible for such devastation? Is it Iraq or its leader? Or perhaps it's those who claim to bring freedom but instead sow chaos and destruction? 
No matter where blame lies, one thing remains clear, war is an ugly beast that devours all in its path without mercy or prejudice. Brian Bastable, Newsbang. 2017. In a shocking turn of events, Kim Jong-nam, the half-brother of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, met his end in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. The culprit? VX nerve agent, a chemical compound so potent it could make mustard gas blush. The victim was no stranger to controversy, having advocated for reform and falling out of favour with the regime. Now ensconced in the annals of history as a cautionary tale about the perils of political disfavour, Kim Jong-nam's demise has left the world reeling. And now to discuss this further is our correspondent Ken Shit. Ahoy there, degenerates! As we voyage through time to the land of the kimchi in the year of our Lord 2017, let's raise a glass to the memory of Kim Jong-nam, the man who dared to challenge the iron grip of his psychotic half-brother Kim Jong-un. This is the tale of a man who had the audacity to suggest that North Korea might benefit from a little bit of modernization and democracy, a man who dared to challenge the regime that has kept his people in chains for generations. A man who was assassinated in cold blood using the most vile and toxic substance known to man, the VX nerve agent. Now, I know what you're thinking, Adken. How could anyone be so cruel as to use such a weapon on another human being? Well, my friends, that's exactly what happened. Kim Jong-nam was brutally murdered in broad daylight in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, by a group of cold-blooded assassins who showed no mercy or remorse for their actions. This is a man who had lived in exile since 2003, yet he still dared to dream of a better future for his people. A man who was once considered the heir apparent to his father, Kim Jong-il, but who fell out of favor after embarrassing the regime in 2001. A man who advocated for reform and change, but who paid the ultimate price for his beliefs. So, let's raise a glass to the memory of Kim Jong-nam, the man who dared to challenge the status quo and who paid the ultimate price for his courage. May his death serve as a reminder that we must never stop fighting for justice, for freedom and for a better world. This is Ken Shit, signing off from the year of our Lord 2017 and reminding you that no matter how dark things get, there will always be light shining through. And, um, 1960. As the 1960s dawned, a pivotal moment in American history unfolded. African-American students in Nashville, Tennessee, initiated a series of sit-ins to dismantle racial segregation. The movement's epicenter was the lunch counter, a symbol of commercial unity, yet ironically, a bastion of division. Nashville, the burgeoning capital of Tennessee, became the crucible for change, as students defied convention and custom. The struggle for equality transcended these sit-ins, igniting a broader movement that would reverberate across the United States. And now to Melody Wintergreen. For more on this watershed moment in American civil rights history. Nashville, Tennessee, where the winds of change are blowing through the lunch counters like a hurricane through a hot dog stand. Here, at the Woolworths on Fifth Avenue, a group of African-American college students are staging a sit-in that's more than just a reservation for revolution. They're ordering up a double helping of civil rights with a side of nonviolent protest. The year is 1960, and these students aren't just here to dine, they're here to redefine. 
The menu today doesn't feature sandwiches or malts. It's serving up hefty portions of equality and justice. These brave souls are seated firmly, as if their chairs were bolted to the very foundations of democracy itself. The air is thick with tension, but even thicker with determination. The clinking of silverware has been replaced by the clanking chains of segregation falling away link by link. And as they sit, stoic and steadfast, they're not just waiting for service. They're serving notice to an entire nation that the time for change is now. As Nashville hums with the buzz of growing populations and the twang of country guitars, these students strum a different tune, a melody of unity and shared dreams. And though they may be refused service, they will not be denied significance. So as these sit-in students set the table for future generations, it's clear that this luncheonette is cooking up something far more satisfying than any blue plate special. It's dishing out hope by the spoonful. Melody Wintergreen, reporting from the counterfront of change in Nashville. News Bang, the world's first and only truth-based news program. And now, Penelope Winchime guides us through a fascinating look at humanity's interactions with the environment. Delving into the stories of Brussels in 1867 and Louisville, Kentucky in 1981. Ah, the whispers of history rustle through the leaves of time, and I, Penelope Winchime, am here to unfurl their secrets. In 1867, a year when top hats were the greenhouses of men's thoughts, Brussels embarked on a grand taming of the wild Senna River. They covered it with stones and dreams, paving way for urban sprouts to blossom in the city's heart. This was not just a mere construction project. It was an act of wrapping nature in civilization's embrace like a burrito of progress. Fast forward to 1981, when Louisville, Kentucky experienced its own explosive relationship with nature. Hexane vapours, as mischievous as pixies in an oil drum, danced through 13 miles of sewer lines, creating a subterranean fireworks display that would make even a mole squint. Property was tickled by destruction's fancy, and injuries were doled out like unwanted Valentine's cards. Yet amidst this chaos, no souls were lost. Perhaps they were out dining on Kentucky Fried Chicken instead. And so we see how humanity interacts with the elements, sometimes covering them with affectionate stone blankets, or at other times being surprised by their fiery belches. Until next time, may your environmental footprints be as light as a fairy's whisper. 2012 Calamity Prenderville brings us this segment on a historic moment in British space exploration, the launch of the Vega rocket. On this day, 12 years ago, the British struck again, not with a cup of tea or a stiff upper lip, but with a rocket. Yes, you heard me right, a rocket. The Vega rocket, to be precise, developed by the Italian Space Agency and our very own European Space Agency. It soared into the sky like a majestic firework. Now, I know what you're thinking, uh, Calamity. What's so special about a rocket? 
Well, my dear friends, this wasn't just any rocket. It was a symbol of British innovation and resilience, a testament to our ability to take something as mundane as space exploration and turn it into an art form. The Vega rocket was designed to launch small satellites into orbit. But let's be honest, it could have easily launched a thousand cups of tea into space if it wanted to. That's the beauty of British ingenuity. We always find a way to make things work, even if it means defying gravity. But the Vega rocket wasn't just about launching satellites or defying gravity. It was about bringing people together. Uh, the European Space Agency, founded in 1975, is an intergovernmental body dedicated to space exploration. And what brings people together better than exploring the great unknown? So here's to the Vega rocket, the unsung hero of 2012. A beacon of hope in a world that often seems devoid of wonder. A reminder that even in the face of adversity, we can still reach for the stars, quite literally. And remember, folks, if the British can launch a rocket into space, then anything is possible. So keep your cups of tea close and your stiff upper lips even closer, because who knows what we'll come up with next. This is Calamity Prenderville from Newsbang, signing off. Newsbang, taking the pulse of truth and giving it a good thumping. And now... Our royal reporter, Sandy O'Shaughnessy, your cosy companion on this regal journey through time. Nice and easy. Ah. ah, and a very good evening to you all. This is Sandy O'Shaughnessy, your cosy companion on this royal journey through time. As the sun dips below the horizon and the stars begin to twinkle, let's take a moment to delve into the fascinating tales of yesteryear. So, grab your favorite mug, Fill it with a steaming brew, and let's embark on this regal adventure. Ah. <laughs> now let's hop into our time machine and set the dial to 1689. Ah, the glorious revolution. It's a bit like a soap opera, isn't it? Ah, King James II and VII, deposed and replaced by Mary Stuart and William of Orange. It's a bit like a Game of Thrones, but with more wigs and less dragons. Ah. <laughs> The Declaration of Right, passed by the English Parliament, outlined the wrongs committed by old Jimmy two times and the rights of English citizens. A bit like a royal bill of rights, if you will. And as for Mary and William, they ruled jointly until Mary's death in 1694. William III, also known as William of Orange, was the last successful invader of England. A bit like a Viking, but with better manners and a more fashionable hat. Ah. <laughs> Now, let's fast forward a bit to 1660. Charles XI became King of Sweden at the tender age of four. Talk about starting young. He was part of the Swedish Empire, and the monarchy of Sweden is a constitutional and hereditary monarchy. The Swedish monarchy has existed for over a thousand years, a bit like a royal family tree that just keeps on growing. Charles X Gustav was a previous king. He was married to Hedwig Eleonora of Holstein Gottorp, and led Sweden during the Second Northern War. He expanded the Swedish Empire and was also Grand Duke of Lithuania for a period of time. A bit like a Swedish version of Alexander the Great, but with more snow and less sand. Ah. I'll say, uh. And speaking of royalty, I received a delightful letter from Mrs. O'Malley in Galway. 
She writes, Dear Sandy, I've always wondered, do you think the Queen of England has ever eaten a cheese and pickle sandwich? Well, Mrs. O'Malley, I like to think that even the Queen enjoys a good cheese and pickle sandwich now and then. After all, she is human, isn't she? Ah. <laughs> ah, but the hands of time move swiftly, and our short journey today is coming to an end. As you go on with your evening, I hope you find joy in the little moments and perhaps share a story or two of your own. So, from my heart to yours, remember, life is but a tapestry of stories, and we're all the richer for it. Ah. <laughs> Till we meet again in tales and tunes, keep that smile bright, and as the folks around these parts say, may your troubles be less, and your blessings be more. Cheerio for now. And, as always, see you later, alligator, in a while, crocodile. The airwaves will miss you till we meet again. In a thunderous roar that has reverberated through the annals of rock history, Black Sabbath has been hailed as the architects of heavy metal music. The year is 1970, and this groundbreaking English rock band has unleashed their debut album, widely regarded as the first true heavy metal record. With distorted guitars and extended guitar solos, they forged a sonic template that would come to define an entire genre. As we delve into the molten core of this musical revolution, let's welcome our culture correspondent, Smithsonian Moss. Now at this point of the evening, we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Waho, my metal maniacs and rock renegades. Smithsonian Moss here, and I'm about to take you on a wild ride back to the era of leather, studs, and the birth of heavy metal. That's right. We're cranking the dial back to 1970 when Black Sabbath unleashed their self-titled debut album upon the unsuspecting masses and changed the face of music forever. Picture it. Four blokes from Birmingham with hair longer than the list of my ex-lovers, and a sound so heavy it could sink the Titanic all over again. These guys didn't just play music, they summoned it from the depths of Hades himself. With Tony Iommi's guitar riffs that could slice through steel, Geezer Butler's bass lines that rumbled like an earthquake, Bill Ward smashing those drums like he's got a personal vendetta against them, and Ozzy Osbourne's vocals a wail so haunting it could wake the dead. Their first album cover? A creepy AF woman standing in front of a dilapidated building, looking like she's about to curse your soul. And the music? Oh, the music. It was like a soundtrack to a witch's Sabbath, with tracks like The Wizard and N.I.B. That's Nativity in Black for You Squares. They even had a song called Evil Woman. Talk about a shout-out to my ex, am I right? But let's not forget the real kicker the title track Black Sabbath. That opening tritone, known as the Devil's Interval, was so sinister that if you played it backwards, you'd probably end up summoning a demon or two. And let's be real, who hasn't wanted to do that on a boring Tuesday night? Their next two albums, Paranoid and Master of Reality, were like a one-two punch to the gut of mainstream music. They brought us anthems like War Pigs, Iron Man, and Sweet Leaf, a love song to marijuana before it was cool to Instagram your breakfast burrito with a side of cannabis. 
So, here's to Black Sabbath, the godfathers of heavy metal, the pioneers who gave us the soundtrack to headbanging and air guitar solos. Without them, we wouldn't have the metal gods of today, and I'd have a lot less reasons to wear my leather pants. Keep it loud, keep it heavy, and remember, if it's too loud, you're too old. Waho, and good night. The news bang, cutting through the fog of deception with a machete of truth. And just time to have a look at tomorrow's papers. The Times, Patriots scatter loyalists on way to tea party. The Telegraph, Von Arnim's panzers in Tunisian tango. The Independent, Bahraini youth rage against the dying of the light. And The Guardian, kitten stuck on a roof for third day running. That's it, on the day that the National Origami Museum was forced to close due to unforeseen circumstances. It folded. Good night. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.